Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Today, um, I can't really see all y'all right now. All I can see is glare from the light, but it's fine. No big deal at all. Um, if y'all start throwing things, it may give me a heads up first, okay? So I can go ahead and duck and dodge. No problem. Uh, today, we're going to be... Oh, for those who don't know me, my name is Judson Blooster. I'm one of the um, elders here at Mountain View Church. I've been serving here at Mountain View Church for six years or so. Um, it's been a blessing to be here and to serve alongside of you all. Uh, it's been, me and my family just came and we just fell in love with this place and we haven't left. And, it's, and I'm sorry to everyone out there, it's going to take a stick of dynamite to get us to leave too. So you're stuck with me for a while. But uh, today we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. If you can, if you'll stand with me as we read God's Word together, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 1 through 9 it says this But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous. Without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, <clears throat> conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, they're learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janius and Jimbreus, I probably messed those up, opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all as to those of those two men. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. God, thank you for the blessings you give us. And God, I just pray that you just... Let us be receptive to your word today, God, that we will see you for who you truly are. God, you are high and lifted up and seated on the throne. Father, let us see you for, for what you are said to be. And God, I just pray that we just remove anything that's in our lives that will hinder us from listening to you. God, remove all distractions. God, I pray that you just come in power over this service today. God, you've already moved so much within the worship. And God, I just pray that you continue to move through the opening and bless, God, the reading of your word. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Give you a little background on what's happening here. Paul, he is writing this letter to Timothy and Paul's in prison. This is known to be Paul's last letter that he wrote before his execution. Timothy is on mission in Euphrates, in the church of Ephesus, sorry, building churches and spreading the gospel. Here we see Paul giving out a warning to Timothy of things and people to look out for. See, Paul was very familiar with the community at the time because he spent about three years there ministering to people and advancing the gospel. First thing we're going to see here, we're going to look in verse 1, we're going to see the warning. Paul says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. The last days means the time before 
A lot of the uh, apostles write in the last days or the last days, the last days. Several of them write that because there's the time of the last days means the time before Jesus' return from the time he was resurrected to the time he returns again. The apostles considered this the last days. And they had a sense of urgency when they were talking to people and spreading the gospel that this is a very urgent message because we're in the last days. Because Jesus taught them in Matthew 24, verses 36 through 44. Jesus taught them, hey, look, nobody knows the hour that I return. Not even me, but the, but the Father Himself only knows. So there was a sense of urgency from the disciples saying, hey, look, guys, we've got to get this message out because we don't know. And that still holds true today. We don't know. And I pray that God gives you a sense of urgency today. Because we have friends, we have loved ones, we have those that we work with who are going to die and they're going to be separated from God. And it's up to us. God is maybe using us as a vessel to spread His message. But we let so many things get in our ways that we don't have a sense of urgency about the gospel. That we'll think, oh, I'll do it today or tomorrow or whatever. God says, you don't know. Only I do. So I encourage you to have a sense of urgency with the gospel. Paul states that in the last days before his return, there will be times of difficulty. The word used for difficulty is found one other time in the Bible. In Matthew 8, 28, the word translated for difficulty in this passage means fierce, which means having or displaying an intense or ferocious aggressiveness. Difficult times ahead is what Paul said. If you open your eyes, there's difficult times now. There's times when the world has taken what was good and wholesome 30 years ago is no longer good and wholesome. They say that's just, that's old stuff. They say the Bible's outdated. The world today says the Bible's outdated. This is a book that hasn't been updated in years. Why in the world do we follow it? That's what the world wants to tell you. The world wants to give you something that it says it's better than what God has for you. And it's a lie. We will get into that. Paul lists some characteristics of, peop- characteristics of people during these difficulty times. Like I said, lovers of self and money. They're proud. They're arrogant. They're abusive. They're disobedient to their parents. Amen. Grateful. I got kids. I'm sorry. Ungrateful. Unholy. Heartless unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving God, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And Paul says, avoid such people. That's strong wording. That's strong language that Paul is using right there. Avoid such people. You know, let's unpack this for a minute. Just like Paul's saying, like, avoid these people. You know, it's not like, like you're walking down somewhere, like, hey, I'm, I'm going down this street or whatever, and you see somebody, you're going to think, hey, this person could murder me. Okay? Don't act like y'all have never done that before. I didn't hear nobody say anything or move. Come on, all the crime shows that y'all have watched before, NCIS, and documentary, Criminal Minds, come on. The first 48, you know, that's my favorite. Or I, and you know, and Tiger King. I mean, people have seen that one, right? Y'all know Carol did it. Don't laugh. 
I know Carol killed her husband. Come on. <clears throat> but see, Paul is writing out a deeper meaning than what's on the surface. And what you see on the surface, what Paul is writing, he's writing about things that affect the heart, of what's on the inside. The sad truth is that Paul is writing to Timothy about avoiding these people. These are church people. Paul is telling him to avoid people in the community and people within the church. Paul's like, these people are not, are not Christians. In verse 5 it says, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. They appear to be godly people. They appear on the surface level, but they've got it all together. They know all the right words. They know all the right sayings. They have the church culture down-packed. To the T. They've gone through all the motions. On the surface level, they have godliness. But, Paul says, they deny God's power. Avoid such people. You know, it is impossible, I believe 100%, it is impossible to meet God and not change. Amen? It's impossible to have an encounter with a holy God and it not transform your life. You know, it'd be like this. It'd be like if I came in here, we was rocking and rolling, the worship's going on, JD had that special, uh, JM had that special echo going on today, that special effect. I don't know what it was, but it was cool, man. I didn't know what was happening. Um, <clears throat> I didn't know if the, wor- if, the, if the building was coming down or what, but it was rocking. Uh, you know, and all these things were happening, going on in church, and and we was worshiping, and Justin was up here doing the, the tithing offering and stuff, and, and I'm nowhere to be found. You'd be like, okay, you know, who's who's preaching today? Oh, Judson's preaching today, that's great, but I'm not here. Okay, it's rocking on, it's 10, it's 10.30, Justin's done, the, the thing plays up, and, and I'm not here. And about five minutes later, here I come busting through the door. Coming down here up on the thing and say, guys, look, y'all won't believe what happened to me today, okay? You would not believe what happened. I was driving to church today, okay? I was driving to church and I had a blowout, okay? Not like a blowout like you new parents think, okay? Not, let's just calm it down right there. Let's stop. I'm not having those type of blowouts, okay? Talk about my tire, okay? I'm driving down the highway and my tire blows out. So I stop and I say, look, man, I've got to get this changed. I'm hurrying up. I've got to get to church. I've got to go. So I'm getting the four-way out. I'm changing that bad boy, getting the truck jacked up, and we're changing the tires. We're doing good. I take a step back, look at my work. Oh, man, I've done such a good job. And about that time, here comes out of my peripheral. I look, here's an 18-wheeler right here, and it runs me slap over. Okay? That's what happened to me today on my way here. But I'm fine. I'm good. No problems. Let's preach. What would you think about that? You would think I'm an idiot, right? You would think that I am a liar, right? Because if I met an 18-wheeler on the highway, there would be a big change in my life, okay? There would be a huge change in my life. I probably wouldn't be here right now if I got hit by an 18-wheeler, right? Right. So how can we say... We have met a God and it have not been changed. I believe my God is bigger than an 18-wheeler. And if you've had an encounter with God, that you have been changed. It is impossible to meet God and not change. Too many times, 
in churches, we have people to come up and say, I've, I've done all these things, God, I, I've, I play the motions, I'm saying the words, I'm, I'm singing the songs, but there's no change in their heart. There's no surrender to God in their heart. It's impossible to meet God and not change. In verse 6, we see the women. Let's read verse 6. For among those are those who creep into the household and capture weak women. Or your, your translation may say silly women. Burdened with sins and led astray by various uh, passions. Paul is writing, is writing to Timothy about these false teachers who are working hard to capture these women. These women in the text from my study may refer to the women who are, who are widows. And Paul writes in 1 Timothy and throughout his letters how we as a church are to take care of widows. Paul knows that these women are in an emotional state because of their situations. And, the types of false, and these type of false teachers would come into the home and lead them astray. These type of men, these false teachers of this day, were going into these, these different homes and stuff. And they're, I mean, they're slick. They're just telling them whatever they want to hear, whatever is you know, tickling to their ears, and they're, and they're falling for it. They hear, they hear all these things and how good, you know, follow me and, and my church and, and how we do this type and the other. You don't have to do this anymore, but you can do this at my church and, or my gathering or my God can do this, that your God can or whatever. You know, they're trying to give them some false hope, some false security. And so they're led astray by listening to all this because these guys are slick and they're going in. Paul's warning them, hey, stay away from these guys. In verse 7, it states, they will always be learning, but never arrive at the knowledge of truth. This is fitting the type of scenario used in today's world. As we learn in verse 1, Paul says that there are difficult times ahead. These are not times of war or famine, but times of spiritual warfare. We can clearly see this in our everyday lives. Turn on the TV. Look at Facebook or any type of social media. It's all around us. Good Lord, I had to delete Facebook this week, all the stuff on there. These people and, and, and what they think and what they say. And you can't, and I'm, church, this is, this is a blue nugget right here. This, you know, you cannot win an internet argument, okay? Take that with you today. You can't win an internet argument no matter how hard you try. It just doesn't happen. And these people are on there and they're, and they're spreading lies and they're spreading misinformation and they're spreading false truth. And the world wants to have the appearance of something that is good to offer you. But really, like in verse 5, the world denies the power of God. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. What is good, what is acceptable, and perfect. These women in verse 7 were always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of truth because their minds were not renewed. Their minds were not renewed. Just like these men in here, they had the appearance of godliness, but they were far from it. Their hearts did not belong to God. In verse 8, Paul writes here, Janius and, and Jambres, Jambres I'm, I'm butchering that name so bad, I'm sorry, are believed 
to be the two magicians that worked for Pharaoh who opposed Moses and Aaron in Exodus. And that word here in verse 8, let me read it. Just as, they were, just as the magicians opposed Moses, also these men are opposed to truth. Men corrupted in mind, you hear that? Corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. The word disqualified could mean, in some translations may say worthless. And some translations may say counterfeit. These men were worthless in regarding of the faith. These men were counterfeit in regarding of the faith. These men were disqualified. These men appear like they are godly. These men appear like they're something by their actions or are unqualified by corrupt minds and counterfeit faith. Paul states that soon these people that soon the people will be able to recognize their foolishness and just as people did with the magicians. You know, I've, I've read over this passage this week many a times. And just saying, Lord, you know, just, just teach me. Lord, first I've got to preach it to myself before I can do anything out here. And I have to take a step back and look at it And I can't help but think, when I read these words here, lovers of self, proud, abusive, arrogant, unholy, ungrateful, slanderous, not loving good. I hear all these things, and I can't help but think, who doesn't fall under this category? Who doesn't fall under these categories? Think of the words like we're proud people. Proverbs, we're proud people. Proverbs 16.5 says everyone with a proud heart is detestable to the Lord. Or some translations may say an abomination to the Lord, having a proud heart. We are unholy people, which means that we are sinful people. And none of us in here are without sin. So we've all been deemed unholy. We are unappeasable. We're not having a thankful heart or a heart of thanksgiving. So who among us is qualified? You know, I, I try to be a good person. You know, I try to do good. And all that does, it just creates behavior modification in me. It, it creates self-righteousness. Saying, God, I'm a good person because I did this checklist of things, God. Therefore, I must be good. Or, God, I I live like this way, God. And this person lives like that way, God. And, God, I know I'm better than this person here because of the way they live. That creates self-righteousness. And my righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. So what hope do we have? What hope do we have? We all fall under this category. We're all unholy. We're all, you know, we're proud people. What hope do we have? These men Paul are talking about here are the ones who have not been changed. Not a change in behavior, but a change in heart that can only happen when we see ourselves as sinners in the need of a Savior. 
I can't place my hope in my good deeds. I can't place my hope in my parents, my grandparents, my pastor, my church, my friends. No, the only hope I can put my hope in is the hope in Jesus. And the hope that Jesus gives. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear Him, on those who hope in His steadfast love. Psalms thirty-three, eighteen. It is not my righteousness that qualifies me. It is His righteousness that qualifies me. Amen? By His good deeds and His good work and His good behavior, He is the one that qualifies me. If it was up to me, I'd fail every time. If it was up to me, I'd screw it up and we'd all be messed up in here today. But thanks be to God, it is not my righteousness, but His. And we've got to wrap our minds around that. We can try to be good people. We can try to put on the show that, hey, look, I'm doing church this way. But it's false. It's counterfeit. It's not real. We're going to end up being disqualified because we're not putting our hope and trust in a true risen Savior and counting on His righteousness. That's who we need to count on is Him. We count on ourselves or people around us. They're not going to stand, they're not going to stand with, beside us when we stand before God. We're going to be by ourselves. It's going to be one-on-one. Is God going to say, Amen, I'm glad you counted on my, my son's righteousness. Or is God going to say, I'm sorry, you're disqualified. Too many times people are basing their eternity on their righteousness. Just like the magicians, they will be exposed for who they are. Whether it be on earth... Or when they stand before a holy God. So we, may, so we too must take a step back. And ask ourselves. Am I basing my eternity. My eternal life. On my righteousness. Or his. And how can I know. How can I know. The actual test to affirm. If you believe in something. Is you have to ask yourself. Does it guide what I do? The actual test to affirm if you believe in something is you have to ask yourself, does it guide what I do? Is Christ the driving point of your life, the driving force behind your life? The decisions you make, the things you say, Are you really letting Christ drive your life? Are you really letting Him guide who you are? As a person, when someone does you wrong, are you going to come come to them the way Jesus would? Or are you going to come out the way you would? You know, the thing about Christianity is that we, we are trying day in, day out to be more like Christ and less like ourselves. And once we rearrange our lives... To live like Christ did. That's when we'll start seeing real change. It ain't behavior modification of the morals of what the world says is good. It's it's behavior modification of what God says is good. And that that comes through time. With you trusting in Christ. With you dying to yourself. With you following Him. But a lot of people today, a lot of people in churches today are not living that way. They're, They're basing their life and their eternity on them. On their, on their power and not God's. And just like the world, just like in verse 5, they're denying God's power. They don't believe that Jesus says who he is who he says he is. 
They don't believe that there's anything that God can do for you today. And we as Christians, we know that that's not the truth. We know that Christ is supreme ruler. And He is coming back for His church. And He is going to be seated on the right hand of the Father. Jesus is not powerless. Jesus is... The world wants to tell you that Jesus is powerless, that these, these things don't matter, that there's nothing that the church can do for you. There's nothing that God can do for you. It's all about you. Worship yourself. And that is a lie from the pits of hell. That's what that is. Hopefully some people in here today are realizing that, that they're basing their eternity and their life on their righteousness. And God's telling you maybe for the first time, just, just quit. Quit playing these games. Quit believing that you've got it all together when you don't. As Leslie in the, in the group comes up, I just want you to take time and really examine your life. Really sit there and ask yourself, does Christ really guide what I do? Am I really surrendered to Christ? Am I really doing the things that Christ says that I need to do? And how do I find those those answers to those questions? Right here. This book right here, as my uncle used to tell me, is more, update, is more updated than the Mars newspaper. This is, this is, I know it's cliche. People say, this is your manual to life, and it is. There's, there's more power in this book. This book speaks to you. This book cuts you like a knife. I mean, this book will get into you and mess you up because it's changing who you are. And I pray that people in here today that you believe that. That God is who He says He is. That we're not, the change in our life isn't counterfeit. That we can stand before God one day and He'll say, good job.